How many of you have a hard time surrendering? When I say that, let me kind of put it in this context. You've been playing a game with somebody, and you know you're about to lose. But instead of just saying, I give up, you win, what do we do? Man, I mean, we hold on until the last thing. And even at that point, we still don't like to say, I give up, you win, do we? Because we are, that competitive spirit kicks in and we've, we're going to go down if we have to before we say, I give up. So yesterday, is, my, is Daniel, where is Daniel? Oh, he's in children's worship, good. I didn't want him in here while I told this. So yesterday, we're in a baseball tournament out at Woodall, and I mean, this is the last hoorah, and we're in the fifth inning, and in our minds, coaches, we're thinking, you know, we're ahead six to four, so all we got to do is hold them. Well, next thing I know, I look up there, and there's a, a, a meeting of the minds up there at home plate, and the guy with the home plate, with the home books, came and said, it's not six to four, it is five to five. And man, I mean, our team thought, what? There's no way. I mean, our books are not wrong. So anyway, to make a long story short, all the coaches on both teams and the umpires agreed that we were ahead six to four. And the umpire, or the guy keeping books, he failed to record my son, Daniel, in the second inning as he scored, he failed to mark that as a run. He just didn't mark it down as anything. And so the coach called Daniel from the outfield and said, come up here for a minute. And he said, didn't you score in the second inning? He said, yes, absolutely. And the other coach said, and I remember patting him on the back when he ran by me. And so in Daniel's mind, he goes out there and he said, it's, it's a done deal. I mean, we're ahead. Well, I've never seen this in baseball. As you can tell, I'm still not over this. <laughs> and we have a final game this afternoon. Uh, we really were ahead 6-4. to four. But they had to go with the books that said 5-5, five to five, and so we had to play another inning. So our boys, instead of just thinking, you know, this isn't right, they all said, that's okay. We're going to keep playing, and we're going to play to win. We're going to fight to win. I was fired up, coach, but I tried to keep it inside. So the next inning, we, we held them, and the next inning we said all we need is one run, and we're going home. We'll come back Sunday to finish it. We scored three runs in that inning to win the game because that, that, they were the home team, so they had to go and bat again, and so we held them, and we ended up winning. And as we, t as we told the players, we really beat them twice, okay, in our minds. But our boys, even though they knew what the score was in their minds, and in reality, the book didn't show that, but they had a fight about them 
that they were not about to surrender, they were not about to give up until the last hoorah, as we like to call it. Now I want to tell you about a guy, go ahead and put his picture up there. This is a man by the name of Hiru Onoda. How many of you have ever heard of this guy? Some of you have, okay? He has an interest, now before you think that I'm not for the USA when we fight, I am, okay? But I want to tell you about this guy because he had courage when all else people would not, this guy would not give up. And so he was a lieutenant in the Japanese army during World War II. And as part of the army intelligence, he had been sent to Labang, which is about 90 miles southwest of the Philippine capital, Manila, in December of 1944. Well, three months later, Allied troops landed on the island and Japanese troops began surrendering, but not Onada. He refused to give up and he headed off for the jungle with three other soldiers. And so his generation was taught absolute loyalty to Japan and its emperor and you don't ever give up. And so he and these three other soldiers in the imperial army followed a code that said, Death was preferable to surrender. And so on the, to one of the other soldiers emerged from the jungle in 1950, and two other died. Well, Onada stayed and struggled to feed himself. And here's what he did. He would steal rice and bananas from the villagers, and he would even shoot their cows for dried-up beef. And so he stayed on that island carrying out his in his mind, what he swore to by oath that he would never surrender and he would never give up. And so that lasted until February the 20th, 1974. Folks, do the math. 30 years. He says, I'd rather live in the jungle than say, I surrender. Because I was taught to never give up. And by George, I'm not going to give up until the last hurrah. And so in 1974, a young traveler uh, by the last name of Suzuki went to Labang to find Onada, and he made camp in jungle clearings, and he just waited until he could find this guy, and Onada was the one to make contact, and they began to talk to each other. And so Suzuki left, and he returned, and he told authorities Hey, I found him, and they sent his commanding officer, Major Taniguchi, who had been given him his last order to bring about the surrender, and he was pardoned by the Philippine government, and he went home to Japan with a hero's welcome. And although he struggled to adapt to jungle life, he did that for 30 years, and two years ago, he passed away from this life. And he will forever be remembered as someone who was not going to surrender until he just totally had to do that. And that's exactly what he did up for 30 years. Now, last week we studied, studied this idea of single-mindedness. And I've had some of you call me this week and 
stop me in the community and say, hey, I want to tell you how my week has gone. And I want to tell you some things that I have eliminated in my life. And I'm proud of some of you. I mean, some of you just totally said, you know, this was just taking over my life and I just got rid of it. And others have said, you know, it, it, I've looked at some of these things and it's been a struggle and I, I'm not there yet, but I'm thinking about it. Hey, that's great. This idea of single-mindedness means that you eliminate, that you get rid of whatever is taking priority over your relationship with God. And so if we go from single-mindedness to today, we talk about this idea of total surrender. We don't like to surrender because it denotes weakness. It means giving up control. It means letting my life be controlled by someone else. But I want to remind us how many, however many years ago that you decided I'm ready in my life to become a child of God, to become a Christian. At that moment, you decided in your life when you were baptized into Christ that it is no longer I who lives, as we've sung the song this morning, but it is Christ who lives in me. And now it's one thing to sing that, but here's the connotation of that. If Christ is living in me and he is the master and, and the one that we want to control our life, that means whatever we're holding on to of control, boy, there's a lot of things we hold on to. It means we've got to give that up so that nothing gets in the way of my relationship with God. Church, that's hard. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, we like to say it quiet. But that's a real challenge in and of itself, isn't it? And I'm here to tell you this morning, I don't care your age, I don't care your background, I don't care any of that. We all struggle with giving up, not just a little bit, but Jesus says you've got to give up all, you've got to sell out if you really want to become a disciple and a follower of mine. Now, here's the key question we're looking at this morning. How do I cultivate this life of surrender and sacrificial service? How do I do that? And the key idea is, I've got to dedicate my life to the purposes of God and what He has set out for me in my life. And so, to make you feel a little better, I want to, I want to take you back and I want to show you in Scripture several characters who were slow to give up on their plans and do what God asked, okay? This just proves that we're not the only ones that are a little slow of giving up something, okay? For example, Moses had all these excuses why he couldn't go back to Egypt. And then you take Gideon, and he was sure that God had selected the wrong person to defeat the Midianites. And then you take Jeremiah, who said that he was too young to be the Lord's prophet. And you remember Jonah. He says, absolutely not am I going to Nineveh 
and then he caught a boat going in the opposite direction only to find out the hard way uh, you can run but you can't hide and God's going to find you out, okay? And so Esther was another one, afraid the king would not welcome her and she would be put to death. And then you have Mary and Joseph who couldn't believe that they had been chosen. And there's a whole lot of other characters in Scripture that were just a little slow before they finally said, okay, God, you can have your way. Here's my life. Let it be. You can have control of my life. But ultimately, here's what all of these characters did. Ultimately, they did what God asked them to do. And so you remember as the story continues, God used Moses to free the Israelites from slavery. He used Gideon to defeat the Midianites. He used Jeremiah to warn people about God's judgment. And then he used Jonah to call the people of Nineveh to repentance. I mean, here's a guy who wants to run from the will of God only to find out you're going to do the will of God and you're going to be the instrument that I use to call these people back to what it means to live life for God. And then God used Esther to save the Jewish people and then Mary and Joseph became the earthly parents of Jesus. So I wonder this morning, what is it in your life that you're just saying, you know what, I just don't believe that I can do this. I don't believe that I can do such and such for God. It's one thing to say that. It's one thing to really not even believe it and have faith and confidence that it will happen. But you know what, if you'll just let go of that thought and just allow God to work and have his way in your life, there is nothing that you cannot do that God will see you through. Amen? But you have to be willing to say, God, I don't know. I don't know how you can do this with me. But if it's your will, I'm going to let you do that. There's a book out by Connie Cavanaugh called From Faking It to Finding Grace. And I want you to listen to her quote on the difference between commitment and surrender. She says, commitment means I'm still in control, whereas surrender takes me out of the driver's seat. Did you see that? Commitment is deciding on a plan. Surrender is going to God for his plan. Inherent in the act of surrender is submission to the conqueror. We cannot surrender to God unless we submit ourselves to his absolute control. And this means, now listen to this, that we no longer have a plan for our life. Instead, we seek to understand his purpose for our existence. That means that by faith that we really trust that God, this higher being, this one that's in total control of God's of the earth, that means that we're putting our life into his hands, and even though we can't see what's going to happen next, we are trusting this God that we cannot see. We're trusting that he's going to take my life and that he's going to do with it what he chooses and what he wants. Folks, that's absolute, total surrender 
when we can live a life like that. But the problem is, we live in a culture that says you fulfill your own desires as much as possible because committing to hand over life to an unseen God not only will be unpopular, but it's going to be very difficult in the days to come. Let me show you an Old Testament example of this in Joshua chapter 5. Turn over to Joshua chapter 5, and I want you to find verse 13. Joshua 5, 13. Israel's about to go to battle in the city of Jericho, and before the battle begins, Joshua, you remember, he goes in to inspect the area, and it's at that moment that Joshua has this divine encounter. And in verse 13, it says he's near Jericho, and he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand, and Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked, What message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua has come face to face with the pre-incarnate Jesus. And his message is, you cannot go in and fight Jericho and take over on your own. Because you're weak. And only when you realize and recognize and surrender to the idea and the fact that someone else is greater and someone else is stronger, then will you be able to go in and not only fight, but you'll be able to win the battle. What is it right now in your life that you know, I want to conquer this? I want to defeat this. I want you to get that in your mind, and I want you to think about this. On your own, you will never be able to accomplish it. But when you give your life over to God and let Him have control, and you're surrendering to that, I mean totally, if you'll trust Him, that victory will come. Now, it may not come in five minutes, it may not come the next day, but in time it will come because that's the promise of God. But only until we can realize, you know, I can't do this on my own. I've got to have help, and I've got to tap in to the one who is greater than me. Only then will you be able to realize you can do anything. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And so in your Bible classes this morning, 
you read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and His pleasing and His perfect will. That word, therefore, helps us realize that everything that's been written up to this point in chapters 1 through 11, it's pretty heavy stuff. And chapters 1 through 11 details our need for God's mercies. Other translations, they move beyond the singular and they go to the plural and they say, in view of God's mercies. Folks, listen. In view of the mercies of God, Paul says, therefore, this is the way that I want you to live your life. And understanding helping us realize that worship is not an event, but it's a sacrificial life. It's a life that surrenders itself to the purposes of God. It's a life that says, this life that I'm living is not just to be lived out by me, but it's to be lived out through the power of one that's greater than me, Jesus Christ. And realizing that, in view of all these mercies that you've been given, I can do nothing less than surrender to Him, not just a little bit, but totally. So do this for me right now. Go ahead, do that. That's exactly, in essence, what God wants us to do when we live our lives totally, you can go ahead and put them down, totally surrendered to Him. Boy, you know how hard it was for you to do this? Now you think about how hard it is to say, you know what, I'm not going to give this up. Point taken. Why is it hard for us to do this? I don't. Maybe we're in the church house and we've been taught you don't raise your hands in church. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But more than that, this means I give up. There's nothing else I can do. I give up. I wonder what that would look like in our relationship with God just to say, God, I give up. I can't do it anymore and so I'm giving everything in my whole being to you and you know what God says about that that's exactly what I want that's exactly what I want you to do and look over in Luke chapter 9 beginning in verse 23 of how this plays out in the gospel story Luke chapter 9 beginning in verse 23 Jesus says if anyone would come after me he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And he says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? 
If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. So to lose it means surrendering. It means giving it up. It means handing it completely over to him. And so I wonder this morning, what is it that God is asking you to do that you have not yet submitted to him? Let me ask that again. What is God asking you to do that you have not submitted to yet? Maybe you've taken a step toward it. Maybe you've tried. Maybe you've attempted it. But I've yet to do that. What is that for you? Before we can totally surrender our life, to the will of God. We've got to let go. And I don't know what that is for you this morning that you need to let go of. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's a habit that just got to break. I don't know what it is. But I do know this. Until you let go of it completely and let God have it, you're not going to be where you need to be with him. Because Jesus knows this. When I've got your heart, I've got it all. And that's what he wants. And it's not just a one-time thing. Boy, it would be too easy if it was. It's a daily surrender. So you did it today, and you've got to wake up in the morning, and every day this week, and you've got to surrender your wants and your desires and your wishes over to the one who breathed life in you. And my question is, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercies, will you do that? And totally surrender your life to him. Kyle's going to lead us in a song this morning, Have Thine Own Way. A song we've sung a long time. Can we say that this morning for God to have his way with us? If there's anything we can do for you to draw closer in your walk with him as we sing this song, if you need to come forward this morning, please do so as we stand and as we sing. <laughs>